welcome to this week's episode of The Homeschool How-To. I'm Cheryl, and I invite you to join me on my quest to find out why are people homeschooling? How do you do it? How does it differ from region to region? And should I homeschool my kids? Stick with me as I interview homeschooling families across the country to unfold the answers to each of these questions week by week. Welcome. And with us today, we have Tiffany. Tiffany, how are you? Thank you for being here. Hi. Um, thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Thank you so much. What state are you in? I don't think I asked you. We are in California, right outside of San Francisco. Wow. So you're having better yeah. weather than I am in upstate New York here today. <laughs> yeah. I think we always have better weather. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's the trade-off, I guess. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing here. We get to see leaves change color, though. It's um, true. I was just in Boston, and it is so beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> right before it gets cold for eight months. So, <laughs> yes. so Tiffany, you are a homeschooler, right? Yes. Yes. We have five boys. And you have five um, boys. You're like yeah. the fourth person I know with five boys. <laughs> oh yay! I'm glad we can all be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, together. it's like, d- did you keep going, waiting for the girl, and then just throw your <laughs> people hands always up? ask that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was always the hope that we would have a girl, but we actually just wanted to have kids, so we just, you know, we were happy with anything. Um, if a, if a girl had been there, that would have been great, but we are definitely blessed with five boys. So Are you done or <laughs> is there still a chance? We are we are done, yes. Okay. As far as we know, we are done. <laughs> Maybe we you'll have, have done everything someday. Yes, yeah, yeah. Lots of uh, daughter-in-laws and granddaughters, I hope for, yes. So what got you into homeschooling? I mean, you look pretty normal to me. They all think yeah. as homeschoolers. <laughs> Are like, are we weird (laughs) running around and like sewing our own clothes all the time? I was (laughs) under that impression too. So, um, what got you into homeschooling? Um, you know. I, I have, was thinking about this because I was never homeschooled. I grew up overseas. So I went to the national school overseas, but my husband was homeschooled for a time. And we, when we started having kids, it was kind of on our hearts to explore that option. And then I kind of like jumped the gun and I was, I got excited and I just wanted to keep homeschooling. And so my oldest was only like, I think he wasn't even four and I was ready. And so we got a preschool curriculum and it kind of never stopped from there. So <laughs> Oh, I guess nice. I should have maybe thought a little harder about it, but I, I kind of fell in love with it right away and jumped right in. Um, and that was seven years ago. So I started out, my first podcast was like the reasons why I wanted to homeschool. And if I ever redo that episode, like, you know, do an updated one now, my reasons have so much more expanded than what yes. it was. You know, I had yeah. things like, oh, I don't really want him to do like, shelter in place drills. I don't think that, Mm -hmm. I think any place that has a shelter in place drill, maybe it's not safe to send them. I don't know. (laughs) You know, so thinking of my little five-year-old and, you know, things like, um, yeah, it'd it'd be more fun to learn to like, you know, not have to sit at a desk all day and, you know, and like, and, and, oh, I don't want them to have to wear a mask or get every, um, CDC schedule, you know, vaccine. So, um, but now, like, it's 
my reasons have just gone so much deeper. Have you kind of had the same realization? Yeah, for sure. We, in the beginning, it was much more like, oh, this is a great option. And we don't necessarily live in the best um, rated schools areas or districts. So that was like another part of it. It could have been a little bit out of fear in the beginning, but over time it definitely became more of just, I love being with them and, and I don't want to miss any of those moments. And recently it's become more of my conviction that education is discipleship. And so this is an opportunity for me to continue to pour into their life, not just in the after school hours or on the weekend, but just through everything, everything that we're reading, everything that we're doing. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I'll ever let it go just for that reason alone. I just love being with them. So, and then yes, just all the philosophies that I've kind of researched and fallen in love with, then it's kind of solidified that desire to homeschool. So yeah, it's definitely changed. (laughs) And I've had both where For my son, he did go off to daycare and I went to the Mm -hmm. office. I I was never full time, but it was, there was a point where it was four days a week and you drop him off at 7 a.m. and I didn't pick him up until five. So, Mm -hmm. and he was two years old. So doing that four times a week, when I look back at it now, having my daughter and seeing every little thing I'm here for. I'm like, holy crap, I missed so much with him. No wonder he's so resentful of me. (laughs) No, No. I mean, I don't know. He's just, he's got attitude, but like, but I'm like, wow, I, I can't believe I missed all these little moments with him. And when you're in it, you don't know that you're missing that stuff. You know what I mean? You're doing what society tells you is normal. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it is normal to get up and shuffle everyone out the door and go off to work Mm -hmm. and be Mm -hmm. gone for 10 hours. And, but just the little things that, well, one with him, now that I am homeschooling him, I'm getting to see the progression in, Mm. like, we've been working on his speech because getting an actual speech therapist is insanely difficult. So, which is another reason (laughs) that I'm happy we're not in the school system because it's like, I was trying to go through them to get speech therapy and it was impossible, but just seeing those little Mm -hmm. milestones, like, wow, I'm here for this. And even my daughter, it's like these things that you miss in that first year or first five years. I can't imagine. I'm like mad at myself for missing it, but it gives me a different perspective, which I think is cool too. An appreciation for it. Yeah. And more thanks. Like, oh my goodness. I'm so glad that now I get to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, okay. So what sort of curriculums are you using? Because everybody always asks. <laughs> All the curriculums. Um, yeah. Well, we've used a variety of different things. Um, I think, um, well, I'll talk about my favorite reading curriculum because I think that's what everyone is always like, how do we get them to read? My favorite, like how to read is Logic of English. Um, I've been using it since the beginning with my oldest. So I'm now, I've finished two through the program and my third is using it right now. It's just an excellent, excellent foundation in phonics and it teaches all the rules. It doesn't have them. Um, it actually explains all of the things that we think of ex- as exceptions and it gives them a reason for why things are spelt or read or the um, the origin of all the words and stuff. And so it's really good. It teaches reading from a spelling perspective. So they're actually spelling before they're reading and which is very unique and it takes some work. It's a kind of a different mind shift because it's not how most of us learn to read, but it's really good. And I really, I'm just really appreciative of it. Can you give me the name of it again? Logic of English. A lot of people refer to it as LOE. Um, it's kind of like the abbreviation for it. Okay. Um, so yeah, I've been using it for a lot of years and will continue to use it for my other boys too. It's the long game. So it's not like they're reading in kindergarten, like 
mm-hmm. books yet. Like I think a lot of people assume that that's where they start learning and stuff. It's it's a slower process, but I think it lays a really good foundation. And so by the time they're done with the four levels, which is called foundations, then I mean they're excellent readers and spellers. So wow, I really I'll put a link to it. that in the show's yeah, description yeah. too for anyone listening that wants to check that out. Because yeah. yeah, I'm using the all about reading and mm-hmm. yeah. added a Haggerty phonics component with mm-hmm. it. So I think he's getting a very good foundation, yeah. but this sounds really cool. And I'm wondering if he might enjoy this. He enjoys the all about reading, but um, yeah. this might be a, a I, I'd like to check this out. Maybe I'll yeah. try that on my daughter. I only had two. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll have to have more kids just so I can compare curriculum. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're going to try this one. How do you work out? <laughs> Who is better? <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs> but that sounds cool. Yeah. I don't, I'm sure people, someone has mentioned it before, but logic of English, it doesn't stick out mm-hmm. in my mind, but I really like the way you explained that. That sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a real blessing. Someone had mentioned it to me back when my youngest was like four and I, um, at first, you kind of like think, oh, what what is this? Because there is no logic of English. <laughs> That's what we often are told, right? There's yeah. It is illogical. But actually, she walks you through why it, it really is logical and all, with all of the rules. She has her own book, the author of the curriculum, that's like a, for the parent, for the teacher that's separate from the curriculum. And I think that one's called the Unco- Uncovering the Logic of English. And that one really opened my mind to, because I mean, you hear a lot of times how the system is failing a lot of these kids yes. when they get older in the high school years and what they they are not able to do. And she kind of like walks you through why that is from decades before and why we're now seeing that um, result in the school systems. And so it just made a lot of sense to me. So yeah, I really, I love that. I love having the reason why things came about. I'm definitely going to look into that and I'll link everything in the description. Yeah. So were you a teacher before or did you have to? I was not. No? <laughs> I feel like everyone's like, oh, she, you know, don't you have to be a teacher before? I and know. No, no. I I mean, no, I wasn't at all. Um, I had briefly thought about it because I have an aunt that is a wonderful public school teacher and I love her and she's been doing it for 30 plus years and and it, she was kind of like a, a role model to me. So I thought, oh, maybe I would. But then I really got interested in law. So I was a, a pre-law major and then I did paralegal work when we were first married. And then when we had started having kids, I was like, I don't really want to do any of it. I just want to be home. <laughs> so then we just started homeschooling. And so no, I'm no, not a teacher. <laughs> so was it hard for you to leave employment? I mean, you went to school for some pretty tough things. I'm sure you worked hard in school and, you know, you kind of feel like, all right, well, what was all that for if I'm just going to sit at home? But I know yeah, that sounds so Especially like, with all of the school debt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was all the hard? college debt was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I should stay. No, it wasn't hard. <laughs> I, I definitely left and happily. I think once I held that baby, I was like, oh my goodness, I just want to be home all the time. And it really was on our heart from the beginning for when, once we started having kids for um, me to be home with them and to be able to just foster that home atmosphere. So um, that was that was on our hearts long before. So it kind of made it easier when the time came. And then for COVID hit and you're like, oh, well, yeah. geez, this is... <laughs> We're <worse>. all home. <laughs> of course we made the right decision. I mean, yes. I mean, have you seen it kind of homeschooling kind of explode since the COVID, all that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. It, yes. 
And California too, because you guys lost your religious exemption. So that means that everything on the CDC schedule has to be given to your child in order for them to Mm -hmm. go to school, just like in New York. I think there's five states that, um, you know, don't have a religious exemption. So I bet that I think, I feel like New York has a lot of homeschoolers for that purpose and Mm -hmm. probably California as well. Yeah. And we have a little bit of a special thing here in California. I don't know how many other states do this, but we have the charter school option, which is a really, it's unique because you get to homeschool and you have the freedoms of homeschool, but you are still under the umbrella of a public school and you have the accountability with the teacher. So I really appreciate it because it still gives me all the freedoms and depending on which charter school you go with more or less freedoms, but it also provides a lot of um, financial freedom because they cover a lot of the educational things. So like my kids can take piano, which, you know, can be expensive when you have five kids. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) those kind of things are really helpful in California too. So that has been one, I think I've seen an increase in homeschooling because of that. Also, we have that option. Yeah. And I'm surprised that they allow that too, because like the government doesn't want more homeschoolers unless they're right, exactly. going to get something out of it. So, you know, I know a lot of homeschooling families are like, be careful of the government money because even though they're not giving you restrictions now, it may come down the line. Is that something that you yes, are kind it's of- true. Yeah, I have seen for? that. It just depends on the charter school. Some are uh, more open to letting you have complete control. Others have a lot more say in what they want you to be doing. And I have noticed a lot of changes over the last few years, and I am expecting more changes to come. So we always hold the charter option as like a a wonderful blessing bonus, but not something that we rely on in order to homeschool. So it's like, it's nice right now, but I'm not, I'm not feeling like if this is taken away, we can never homeschool again. So we are actively preparing for, should that be taken away, we can still homeschool. So So that's good. It's not mandatory that you participate in it. No, you can still go completely independent, which I have friends that do that and they they definitely recommend it. Yeah. So it's I mean, it's in the back of my mind. It's, it's kind of like, all right, well, let's get some yeah. of our school taxes back. Like, why are we paying this if we're choosing? Yes. <laughs> you know, especially yeah, like, exactly. I'm not getting yeah. my income now. So yeah, that, mm-hmm. that it's definitely something to, you know, use, but know about what you're using I and mean, what they're requiring of yes. you. And it's nice that you have the option to opt yeah. out of it too. Now, yes. yeah. okay. Yeah. So you were, you and I were talking about a curriculum that you wrote. So can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, uh, I want to say it was, uh, two, two and a half years ago, I had been using a history curriculum for a while and I was leading a co-op where we were also using the history curriculum and none of us were in love with it, I guess I'll say. We were a little frustrated with some things. There were like moments where where we really liked aspects of it, but then we also had this other vision of what we wanted it to look like as far as the curriculum, but also like the the practical side and then how it could fit for all of our families. And so uh, my sister-in-law actually was like, Hey, why don't you just work on it and, you know, make, you know what we want it to look like. So just, you know, do it. (laughs) I was like, okay, yeah. With all my time. So we, I did, I sat down and um, I kind of put together like a rough idea of what my vision for it would be um, as far as like having what I really wanted is to have a curriculum that I could have all of my kids learning the same time period of history Mm, so that whether they're 14 or whether they're six, um, you're all learning about 
the Civil War or whatever time period it is with various degrees of, you know, harder, lesser hard books and possibly some extra like streams, like maybe your older kid is looking specifically at the leaders and how they led and the younger kids are maybe learning more just the stories, but you're still looking at the same time period so that you can kind of stay together because it's really hard when you have a kid doing this and a kid doing this and I'm still expected to read to all of them. And I also wanted it to be cyclical. I wanted to come back to the beginning and then go all the way through to present day and then do that whole cycle again once we're done. Last night, we were reading The Miraculous Pencil, the second book in the Tuttle Twins series for ages 5 through 11. My son, even though he's only four, was able to pick up on the concept that every product we have has been created by so many moving parts. Even a pencil, like The Miraculous Pencil, takes thousands of people to make, from the wood on the tree, to the fuel that runs the equipment, to cut down the trees, to the ropes that secure the logs to the truck, the graphite from South Korea that's used for the lead the yellow lacquer from the castor oil grown in India, and all the hands involved in between. The book focuses on the idea that with capitalism, we must keep the costs low and the quality good so that it sells and everyone can make money. Thinking about this greater concept of how things are made not only gives more appreciation to the items that we have, but it brings up conversation on what kinds of jobs are out there in the world and what new ones are waiting for our little learners to create. I love these books. We read them all the time. If you're interested in purchasing books from the Tuttle Twins, check out my link and use my code for 40% off products on ages 5 through 11. TuttleTwins.com slash R-E-F slash C-H-E-R-Y-L and use coupon code Cheryl40, that's C-H-E-R-Y-L-4-0 for 40% off all products for kids ages 5 through 11. You can grab the link and the code from my show's description. So yeah, I sat down and I and I kind of sketched it out and and then I kind of just never stopped. I just loved it. <laughs> I really enjoyed writing it and I sent it to a couple of friends and my sister-in-law who had first recommended that I try it and and they loved it. And so we we worked hard to finish it and then I kind of I kind of was like, I don't know, no one's going to love this. Like I don't I, you know, kind of like when you make something and you're like, I don't know. I'll, I guess I'll share it and maybe someone will enjoy it. Yeah. And so I did. And it's kind of like blossomed from there. And I've done a few other things since then. Yeah. So, and we're using it this year. So it's been really fun. Yeah. That is so cool. What is it called? So the, the history is called the symphony of history because I wanted it to be an approach where you're looking at this, this, um, symphony of what God has done in the history of time. And you're able to see different melodies and different things of, as far as like the actual facts and the people that are doing the the living and the history and the literature of the time. So a lot of times we're reading literature that was either written during that time. So people of the time were reading it or it's literature that influenced the people. So maybe it's a book that Teddy Roosevelt had on his on his bookshelf. So it influenced how he was a leader. So those are the kind of things that I'm trying to pair up so that you're both learning the history, but also the people and what was really influencing them at the time. Okay. Yeah. So the questions. symphony of history. <laughs> so this is uh, the first thing that bounced off of my head. I'm like, you don't have, you have a law background. You don't have the music, you don't have the writing and you don't have the teaching, but somehow <laughs> True. you made this really cool sounding curriculum. But I do have history. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> I did have a little bit of history in college. I had um, like a minor in history. Okay. Um, and I also grew up in, so I grew up overseas where history is taught very differently than it is here. Where did you grow up? I grew up in the Czech Republic, kind of near Prague area. And history is taught in a much more uh, world sense. So like whole world history. Of course, they focus on their own country as well, but it's it's a lot more linear in the whole world. So a little different than a lot of the history here in the States. So I think I had from that, I had a little bit broader view of things that were happening here that were also happening over there that were really influencing each other. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my my background or approach, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I love that because when I think about my public school education with history, I mean, I remember my 11th grade class and that's because my cheerleading coach was the teacher in that. So like, that, I mean, uh-huh. I probably just wanted to impress her and it's the only reason I did well <laughs> on anything. But as a whole, like I know I've talked about before, like I, there was something about Incas and Mayans, but I don't mm-hmm. remember anything about that. It never seemed to have a flow or mm-hmm. like be like you said, like a symphony where one thing is affecting another. Yes. You know, it was yeah. either like, this is the world war. These were the people fighting mm-hmm. these people. We didn't talk yeah, about why. Exactly. We didn't talk right. about what, I mean, wars happen because of things that lead up to it. I don't exactly. remember other Many than Many decades before. Yeah. Yeah. Other yeah. than paragraph, what would have led up to, I can't tell exactly. you who was in World War One. So but this is stuff that I'm really interested in now. And yeah. my next question for you is how do you determine like what the truth is to put into the information that you're trying to relate to your children or in this curriculum? Because a lot of times, okay. like if you just take briefly, you know, COVID, you can have two people tell you completely different <laughs> stories about what COVID yeah. really was. How do you decipher what the truth or truth enough is to then tell our children? So specifically regarding history or historical events? Yeah. Okay. I think when I was writing this, I, I tried to, I mean, I tried to always use like a spine book so that you're kind of reading through that. And one that is, so the, the history spine specifically for uh, my kids' ages is Story of the World, which is, you know, kind of tried and true as far as like her approach and her facts in it. So in that regard, I did trust that as I didn't like make up my own and and really write my own lessons as far as I do. I do write my own parts, but it's not like I've taken it completely out of my own brain. (laughs) And then I do try to grab a lot of different voices, I guess is what you would would say like so um different different perspectives i guess is the right word to kind of look at so you're not just learning this one person's account or perspective but you're really taking from uh, a variety of people who were involved or the firsthand accounts so especially for the high school level cuz it 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 includes all the high school reading as well then they're actually reading like the actual documents that were written and you know James what James Madison wrote about the the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution or different things like that. So that it's more firsthand accounts and it's not just conjecture, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because I do not remember like really having a big study on the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution. Mm-hmm. I think what mm-hmm. I know of it now is like what I've seen from Hamilton, the, the play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I do wonder how many kids today <laughs> think that like 
the founding right. fathers were all different. Like, you know, they're like, yeah, George Washington was black. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> well. well. <laughs> but, um, or like there's a line in it about, um, you know, they say something like the damn Democratic Republicans and everybody in the in the theater cheered. And I'm like, no, they didn't have Democrat and Republicans. That It's just a line that he's putting yeah. in. Like they didn't even yeah, have exactly. those two parties then. They were called Democratic yeah. Republicans, uh, but it had nothing yes. to do with what we think of today. Yeah, but, it's not so, our, yeah. Yeah, because um, we often like put our, our societal norms onto what was there. And yes. um, that's not exactly how it was. So. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. I think the play was brilliant. So- Okay, that has to be overwhelming to take something. Can you actually go through like all the world history? I mean, I know you can't go through all of it, but to determine, <laughs> you know, and then and then cyclical go around again. So how many times will your one child, say your oldest child, cyclically go through the history? Um, the hope is that he'll do it at least two full times because of how old he is. He's 10 now. So if I had started with him earlier, then the he would have gotten yeah. probably three full cycles. Okay. Right. Um, so your youngest so, child should get three. Yes. Yeah. So, well, right now I only have the third volume written. I'm starting the fourth volume. We kind of started in the middle because <laughs> my kids like needed to be starting at the Revolutionary War time period because we had already done everything else. So I went ahead and wrote what we needed, but then I planned it out to be where I come back around and I write yeah, I mean it worked for Star Wars, so I think if it works, yes, for Star yeah, exactly. Wars, so why can't can I do start it? in the George middle Lucas and go back? Me. Yeah. <laughs> um, exactly. So yes, so I'm going to work on. I'm starting the fourth volume now, and so hopefully he would get basically like two and a half full cycles. Okay, but your youngest yeah. child, they'll be getting about three cycles through. Three, yeah. which yeah, makes hopefully. so. Much... I haven't fully. I haven't. <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense because as kids are learning. Yeah. When they can recollect something like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. like this was, oh, this is, you know, Thanksgiving time. I Yes, we do that every year. So now, yeah. you know, they'll learn a little bit more yes. about, you know, what yeah. did we read today? Sarah Hale, I think, that all the stuff she did. Yeah. Um, so yeah. each year I can bring back the same books that we took out from the mm-hmm. library and talk just a little bit more in depth about them. So I love that. Yes. I think that. That is so yeah. important. It's, you know, kids just can't learn something once and then move on. It has to be brought mm-hmm. back into their lives so that they can recall it and then add to it and then yeah. make the connection. And make those connections that they maybe didn't make before as far as, you know, this person or this event or things that were being written. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's cool. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I'm working on a children's book right now and I can't even imagine oh, doing volumes of <laughs> I'm like, I have a thousand words. That's it. And I'm like, oh my God. It's about, it's about what to do in emergencies. Right. Cause I feel like a lot of times we don't think about that sort of stuff. You know, I grew Mm -hmm. up with like a dial up telephone and you know, we have cell phones everywhere. So you don't think about like, oh, how would a child actually, yeah, we all have cell phones. How would they get to it from a lock screen? That sort of thing. But Mm -hmm. I cannot imagine Mm -hmm. volumes. That is so cool that you're doing that. And I can only imagine like you have to get pulled away to, you know, take care of the kids and then jump right back into where was I in this volume? That was a little tricky, like rethinking it. (laughs) Yeah. Has there been anything that you've learned doing this that you had not known previously, either with just how kids learn or in history itself? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's and yeah, I think I feel like there's there's never going to be a point where I'm like I know it all, right? It's 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 always going to be like more and more learning and even like you said like as I come back around and teach it again, I'm going to be like, "Oh, well, that's a great connection. I should probably, you know, edit that or something like that, add that in or something because it is it's such a kind of like what I called it, a symphony. Like there's so many different things that are playing together and um and influencing each other and and sometimes and that's kind of like because because it, it follows different what we call the players, so you're kind of following the setting of where things are happening in history, or you're following the people, or you're following what kind of good is happening or evil is happening throughout. But some things, it's like some things get more of a solo, and at other times they're playing more background music. So we're kind of following that through also. Like at at times, the physical geography of of where history is taking place plays a big role in in why events happened the way they did. And other times it's not the biggest role. So we're kind of following that as well. So that's that's something that I'm definitely learning as I'm working through it and then teaching my kids. Yeah. Okay. So how do you, and cause I was in school when nine 11 happened, so we didn't have it in mm-hmm. any sort of curriculum. My sister's kids are of the, yeah. her youngest is graduating. And I asked him in September, uh-huh. you know, what did you guys learn about 9-11? And it was kind of interesting because it is not at all as I think. And so this is kind of what I was alluding to before. <laughs> you can have two people that have very uh-huh. different stories of the situation. How do you write something like 9-11 and everything, mm-hmm. at, you know, and then all the wars that we went to into a curriculum there's official stories and then there's other things you're like, well, that didn't make sense. Like, you know, the building seven just collapsed. Like, obviously you don't get into like crazy stuff like that. So how do you write something like 9-11 into a curriculum that you know has to be on bookshelves and, you know, I don't know, maybe yeah. you're like, no, it was box cutter, Cheryl, but that's fine too. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's a good question because I'm going to be right, going to be um, having that in the next volume. So I need to start thinking about that. But one thing that I... I try to do is do a lot more, less of me talking and teaching and more of them um, reading. So picking good books or worthy books that present either the the correct story or multiple versions or, um, and then allowing them to do the reading and the, and the learning on their own. So that's kind of one of the, the ways in the history curriculum is set forth is it's it's a lot more reading and books and literature and it's not necessarily a lot of me teaching I guess. because I'd be biased as well as most other writers would be and so um, it's it's probably more uh, an opportunity for you to kind of sift through the books that I've said okay here here are the books and then you can have good con- conversations with the kids on what it is interesting so, I like that yeah I like that I sent my nephew some documentaries. He didn't watch them, but <laughs> I was like, check this one out. See if this follows your school curriculum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's a hard one to do because um, most of the kids that will be learning, like they're the kids of parents who remember it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's kind of like trying to teach World War II to our grandparents. And they're like, we, we were there. <laughs> like we know <Yeah. laughs> where, you know, we all remember that moment. And even so, that I'm um, sure has different stories from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember yeah. in school getting more than one. And maybe it was, it just, if it, if it did, if they did give it to me in that way, it wasn't memorable. <laughs> so, um, right. but that's interesting right. having the different perspectives and 
yeah, I mean, and everything is going to, that's not even a controversy. I mean, you, right. everything from World War One to World War Two to 9-11, it's going to have a different perspective no, yeah. compared to if you were, a, um, you know, living in Germany to living in Poland to living in the United States, they will all have different perspectives. Yeah. And, you know, even our own country, it's the civil war. I know um, yeah. even that. Now, okay, yeah. what about something like Columbus Day? Okay, so for Columbus Day, <laughs> we're all taught Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492 and he came to America and discovered it. But now when you read other books, they're like, no, he never even <laughs> stepped foot on American soil. How do you navigate that in a book? Because it's like, where did this come from? Um, yeah. So I've, I've thought through this a little bit and I, and I, I feel like it's, it's not bad to, to teach or to let them read a lot of different accounts and to help kind of walk them through and guide them through discernment throughout, like in the process. Cause even now as an adult, there's lots of accounts that I read and I have to either be willing to, you know, discern this or that, or do my own research and, and further learn myself. And so that's one of the approaches that I'm taking with my kids is to not necessarily think that just because this is like the favorite book that it's the correct book or that history is black and white. There's, I think there's a lot of history that, right. That there's, there's a whole nother story being not being told or being told and we're not hearing it. And it really depends on our worldview, how we're going to sift through that. And so that's one of the approaches is, you know, our, our my worldview. And I, and I include that in the beginning of my history curriculum is where this is coming from and some ways to kind of think through and discuss hard topics that come up and they're bound to come up when you look at history and, and to know that, that part of it is um, as a believer in, in Christ, that, that God controlled all of history and is still controlling all of it. So it's not necessarily like we can look at it and say, this did happen or didn't happen or it was evil, but it wasn't out of control and, and not within his loving care. So that's part of the whole symphony idea too, is that he, he is, conducting it all um, and allowing things to unfold. Not necessarily that we can say, oh, it's fine because God's in control. We still need to call out evil, evil, but to know, to have hope really that it's not the end. Yeah. A a purpose and, and really hope like, yeah, that it's not, it's not like we, you know, it's the end and we're just going to continue to have all of these problems, but really there's hope in what he's using that for eternity and in the end of history. Yeah. Yeah, And I, and what a great time to be allowing God to come into the conversation is when we look at history and Mm -hmm. um, you know, bad things do happen. And I just think about with my son or daughter, I mean, she's so young now, but with my son, if he worries about like, Oh, what if, something happens to you one day, mommy, it's like, okay, well, God will be there. He'll help you through. Mm -hmm. And there is, you know, something after here. So when you relate that to actual history and it it really does make a beautiful symphony, like you said, what a great um, title you (laughs) made for that curriculum. Very beautiful. (laughs) What was your like publishing process? Like, did you have to kind of reach out to different publishing places or is this something you can self-publish? 
I, I, yeah, I went the self-publishing route through Amazon, but I actually um, ended up taking it off of Amazon because of the, it, it's color in color and I do want it to be in color and the, it's not worth it. Like the, the price I would have to put it at was just crazy um, in order for it to be worth it. So I didn't feel like that was worth anyone's time. And so I actually keep all of the curriculum as just digital digital files on my website. So because then I can actually make it at a just a more economical price because I didn't really want to be charging $100 for a history curriculum. So even though it was like convenient for everyone and you get it printed right away, it just didn't seem like worth it. Hey folks, me again real quick. I just wanted to let you know that I do have a t-shirt and sweatshirt for sale now on my website. Be the role model your government fears, the Homeschool How-To Podcast. If you'd like to get yours, you can head on over to my website, thehomeschoolhowto.com, and under shop, you can find t-shirts, hoodies, and that's about it so far. I would love your support. And if you share an episode or my podcast on social media, tag me in it or send me a screenshot and I will put you in the running for a free sweatshirt, all of your own, the drawing to be mid-December. Thank you for your support. Have a great day. So I have, um, yeah, it's all digital on my on my website, but I do have a print partner actually that I just announced a couple of weeks ago, which is a really huge blessing because they are excellent quality. And so if you have one of my items printed, then you get 10% off with a code. And so I was really thankful for that because I think that just makes it, I want it to be helpful. You know, I don't want it to be like super expensive and I still got to go get it printed or something like that. So um, that was a huge answer to my prayers. Yeah. <laughs> Do that. Where would someone go to purchase the curriculum? So on my website, it's uh, moraviapress.blog and I have um, the history on there and a few other, well, free items and then some mini units, just smaller like holiday studies. But for printing, it's um, Humble Heart Press. So you can use my code and have any any of my items printed um, for 10% off. So, and then they'll ship it to you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an excellent price. They were, they were phenomenal. And, and I've used a few different companies, printing companies like that, cause they're kind of popping up right now, but humble heart press was excellent quality. So Great. I really recommend them. I use them for my stuff. So oh, awesome. Right. Well, that's good to know. So anybody could yeah. go to Humble Heart Press if they needed anything printed. Yeah. So if you use, if you're getting one of my items printed, at least one, you can get 10% off with my code, mm-hmm. but for the whole order, even if it includes other things. But yes, you, if you want to use them just for anything, then I would recommend them. Yeah. yeah. I never even thought about yeah, that. I've always good. just purchased the curriculum because I don't like want to use my own printer. And I didn't know that exactly. there were actual yeah. <laughs> printing places that do that. Yeah. That's, and you can get it bound or spiral bound or whatever. So I have a few digital things that I've gotten printed like that. And it's really helpful because I don't have a fancy printer. <laughs> okay. I'll link all that in the description as well. So Great. Yeah. your oldest, you said is, how old is he? He's 10. 10 now. So how do you juggle yeah. the homeschooling of the 10 year old and you got the little ones running around. How do you handle yeah. that? Yeah. It's a, I think, I feel like it, it goes in like, it ebbs and flows in different, mm-hmm. different ways. <laughs> in the beginning, I mean, I've, I've homeschooled with a newborn for four times and they definitely like sit with me all the time. We do a lot of nap schooling. So when people are napping, then we try to do school. Um, but we're kind of at the point now where I have enough kids that are doing lessons that we actually can't fit it in during nap time. So he, 
often, so the youngest is two and a half. So he often has to be, we do like a trade-off. So if I'm doing one-on-one lessons, then whoever's not in lessons has to be with the little one and they have to play with him or (laughs) entertain him or I don't know. Sometimes I don't know what they're doing. (laughs) They need to go do something. And other times if he's really clingy, which he's in a season of that right now, he will sit on my lap and, and repeat letter sounds and he's like learning by osmosis just sitting with me or playing near my near my feet yeah so but it it definitely it just changes in different seasons but I know that there's there will be a time where he will be a little more self-sufficient and go off and do his own thing and but we're not in that season right now yeah it's hard I mean my daughter is 15 months so she's right now Mm -hmm. actually at a stage where she's the only time she's good is when I'm working with my son. I don't know if it's that we're mm. all together <laughs> in this sunroom area. And I recently, yeah, one of the ladies that I interviewed, I think it was Amber um, Caglini's, she had recommended that I we take all the toys or at least most of them and put them in bins. So I have five different bins, and one day mm-hmm. we get one bin out. Yes, then, so yeah. she plays with those and then my son will kind of play yeah. in and out, you know, from mm-hmm. his break times or afterwards. And at the end of the day, that bin yeah. goes away. Then the next time we do it, a different bin comes out. So it's like all new toys and, you know, yeah. so they're, yeah. when they were, when all the toys were just out in that sunroom, which is where we did the school, it, they didn't play with any of them because it was like, well, they're always Yeah, here. it's, it's almost overwhelmed. Yeah. yeah. So that, this has been <laughs> Yeah, awesome. Yeah, we definitely have like a special toy thing that is just during school time. It comes out just during school time and then we put it away and yeah, but that's good. She's already like, okay, mom needs her time. Well, that or she's just <laughs> got I'm other things go to do. I mean, she- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so that's been fun. Um, oh, I was going to ask you earlier when you were talking about your aunt who is the school teacher, how does she feel about yeah. you homeschooling? Oh, you know, I don't know. I've, I, I don't think I've ever asked her. <laughs> yeah. Of the friends that I know that are teachers, I can never tell if they're like, happy that I'm homeschooling or take it as kind of like, uh, what, are we not doing a good enough job? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, yeah, I guess I should ask her. I'm not sure. But in the beginning she was, she just was open to like answering all my questions. I would ask questions about, you know, how to teach reading or what should I use? And she was really helpful and she would, you know, point me in different directions and stuff. So, but no, I've never asked that specific question, she, so I'm not sure. She doesn't um, but feel I do slighted, have though. Really you know good... she doesn't feel too slighted. Yeah, I hope, I hope not. <laughs> I, I interned for her. I did like TA work when I was in like high school and college. And Aww. I just, I love watching her work and stuff. So Aww. she's kind of an inspiration in some of that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure it is hard for, I mean, there are so many good teachers out there, but they're stuck in a system yeah. that doesn't allow them to do all the things they want to do. And then they get burnt mm-hmm. out. I mean- Teachers are overworked, underpaid. They don't have enough help. They don't have enough resources. So it's like you can be the best teacher in the world. It, I don't know. It, it's still, it's just the way the system is set up. It, it's really yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, so I give teachers a lot of credit. <laughs> Hopefully your aunt knows that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They, yeah, I think they do great work. And where you are, it's <laughs> nice weather all year. So you guys can kind of like be outside all year long. It kind of, yeah, I mean, to stick kids inside a building. Our kids are in a building all day in California. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know their exact schedule, but I, I definitely am not <laughs> indoors all the time. We, we do most of our school probably other than writing because we need the table for that outside. And um, just the other day I was struck with like, oh, wow, this is so fun. We get to read, we're reading about the birds and 
the birds are flying over us right now and we get to watch them and observe it. So that, yeah, that is a real huge benefit and and it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought about it because being in the New England area. So mm-hmm. when it starts to get colder, that's when school starts in September. So the kids go to school September yeah. through the end of June and then summer starts. So in our brains over here, it's like, oh, the warm weather's here. Now school closes down so we can all be outside. Yeah. But if you have nice mm-hmm. weather all year, these kids are just inside. Like they don't have outdoor classes all the or maybe time. sometimes yeah. they do. Maybe they do. Um, but I haven't, I don't know exactly. I, yeah. I never thought about that before. It's what a waste. If it's beautiful and sunny <laughs> yeah. and warm, why would these kids be inside? And and it's kind of like we all grew up being outside a whole lot more even because So tell me about that growing up in the Czech Republic. What was school like mm, there? Pretty similar as far as like hours. Like we were in school most of the day, yeah. They actually have 13 years of school, so that's uh, a little different. You have kindergarten and then you have 13 years. So oh, wow. and then and one thing that they do a little differently is you actually have three different options for high school and you can test to get into like a higher level high school that's more of like a liberal arts high school or you can test to go into a specialized high school that will train you to be a nurse or be something when you graduate. So I think that's kind of nice because if a kid knows that they want to go into nursing or something, they can actually graduate at 18 and be a nurse and like spend all that time in high school studying to be a nurse. So I think it's kind of similar to what trade schools used to kind of be more like here, mm-hmm. but even at a younger age. So that was, it. I didn't do that. I went to like a, just a more generic um, high school because I didn't know what I wanted to be. <laughs> but uh, I always thought that was kind of interesting and kind of a cool way to kind of start kids off right away with a career and get them prepared for the real world or whatever. <laughs> yeah. No, I do like that idea a lot. Oh, how cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I won't, I know you have five boys, so I'm not going to keep you for much longer, <laughs> but I would like you to tell everybody again where they can find um, your history curriculum. Yeah. So Moravia press.blog. Um, Moravia is actually the region that I grew up in, in the Czech Republic, and it is known for its wine and culture and music. And it is really, really beautiful rolling green hills. And so I had always loved the word. And so we didn't have a girl to use the name or anything. So we were like, okay, well, I guess I'll name this after it. So yeah, Moravia Press uh, dot blog, M-O-R-A-V-I-A. And if someone wants to find you on Instagram, it's at beauty of underscore homeschool. So I will link that as well. Um, yeah. And what you. made you leave the Czech Republic to come here? Um, uh, college, actually. My parents were leaving. And um, so I, I lived there for 15 years. And I came back when I was almost 20 for um, college. Okay. And um, I've been back a few times, but I hope to go back again. I would love to take all my boys there yeah. and show them. My home. Yeah. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. Tiffany, thank you so much for meeting with me today. I love this conversation. I learned a lot. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Homeschool How To. If you've enjoyed what you heard and you'd like to contribute to the show, please consider leaving a small tip using the link in my show's description. Or if you'd rather, Please use the link in the description to share this podcast with a friend or on your favorite homeschool group Facebook page. Any effort to help us keep the podcast going is greatly appreciated. Thank you for tuning in and for your love of the next generation.